We are all sticking around for Q&A. We are moving into the Q&A portion of it. So right off the bat, let's throw the number up there, which is 360-447-8474. And so everybody in-house or online, take that number. Any question you got about stuff, any yep. big complaints? Yeah, we'll have an abbreviated Easter version. All right. Yeah, we're running a little overtime today and people need to get to their Easter Hams. ham. <laughs> That's right, hams. I don't know how ham became that, but. I don't know either. You gotta, I don't know, it's not important. No. Okay, we won't get into that. Nope. Okay, right on. So, uh, yeah, thanks for sticking around, guys. Great Sunday, great Easter, oh, so exciting. What a great Easter, just to see the place full of people again. Yes. And we got to sing, to hear everyone sing. Everyone's, oh. you know, we've been singing, yeah. but really hushed under our masks. Uh -huh. You know, more of a hum. Yeah. So but there were some chills. I had a couple of moments where I'm like, I'm going to forget to move the lyrics. Because yeah. I was just, whew, that was some good stuff, guys. And uh, it's, it's just, it's something, there's something about that corporate, mm -hmm. just every voice coming together, it just moves you. And so I, I loved it. It was great. Um, Can't wait till you onliners or in-housers again. I know, yeah, come on out. Um, We're getting closer and closer. Exactly. Okay. I don't really have, I'm going to say this right now, so this is a challenge I'm throwing out. I don't have any real, real questions. I've got some people who are sending in some uh, oh, dad Kent, jokes. Oh, Kent's sending something in right now. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we got... I would just say that I love this guy, this centurion. Yes. I, I, he's one of my favorites. You've always the... been fond of murderers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the, you know, like I say, you take the good with the bad. Yeah. Um, the more I look into the, especially the Isaiah scriptures and all, the more I see the significance of this, you know, right. there's nothing insignificant in the story. We go, right. well, we get so few details. And then for some reason, we don't realize how pregnant those yeah. details are. Oh it's like, well, yeah, why, who is he and why did he do that? Yeah. Especially when, you know, so, some of his last words are, you know, it is finished, and we're told to fulfill scripture. He's saying just like right, little right, sentences, right. and we're like, I bet that's real important, <laughs> but we don't really stop and think about what, oh, you mean because he was the guy, and so he had to die. And I don't think, I think it's carefully calculated. Oh, it is. And it's in John 12, it's what the whole conversation's about. Right. These Greeks came, these non-Jews came, and said, we want to see Jesus. And when he was told, he said, well, now is the hour for the man to be glorified. And it's all, and then they just, it's a full chapter talking about uh, reaching to all the world, all the nations outside yeah. of uh, the Jewish nation. And he makes it real clear. That's where he says, unless a grain of seed dies and falls in the ground, right. it, it can't reproduce. But boy, when it dies, and then he says, and I, when I'm lifted up, that's when I draw all, all nations. And then John says, and he was talking about the way in which he was going to die. Yeah. And then, but he just said, and my servant will follow me and there will be my servant who glorifies uh, my father. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we know when he died and where he was, and we know the only guy who right. glorified, and we're told glorified God. Yeah. And he was from the all nations. Yeah. It's like, I think this was the first time I realized the depth of the significance of that I, guy. It is. It's one of those things that, you know, uh, we, we know it kind of like it's theological, uh, and we have some scripture for it saying, you know, Everything, John had a wonderful way of saying it. It was something like, you know, everything, all of our faith 
you know, hinges on this one moment. This is the linchpin of everything. This, mm -hmm. this moment on the cross and everything. And it is so funny when you stop and go, okay, what if we really applied? This is the fulfillment of all things. This is all metaphor coming, uh, you know, true. This is all the Old Testament. Either this everything's is, leading yeah. to or from, right. you know, yeah. that's... But boy, when you really just stop and go, that's why we're, that's why Easter, that's why Easter is, just has a different focus and feel, you know, on, on this I had Sunday. to cut a bunch of stuff out too. It broke my heart. This guy's story is way bigger than that. Uh, do you remember that yeah. Pilate calls the centurion on the carpet? And Pilate called in the centurion to find out from him if it was true that yeah. Jesus died. And you're going, well, why is he calling in the centurion? Well, recall Pilate sent some guys, asked some soldiers to break the legs. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. So they violated Pilate's orders and didn't obey them and stabbed him in the side instead because, right. oh, what are orders from Pilate? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I've never realized until this weekend, and I couldn't get it in the message, that, do you know how significant that is? Right. Because there's only one guy yeah. that could have said, you're not breaking his legs, but we have orders. What do you care? He's dead. We have orders, break all the legs. So I don't know, but I feel like I... And, and, that, <laughs> guy is, and that guy is going, you're not breaking his legs. Well, he's the guy preaching at the cross. He, he was what he said. And, yeah. and the way he, when he saw the way he died, he wanted everyone to know. Right. And if you break his legs, everyone's going to say, well, he just died because they broke his legs. He says, you're not breaking his... He didn't want to diminish what he saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Go so ahead. then old pilot calls Poke him. him. Let's see what happens next. It's probably something crazy. And, and, now, this is... and I think, and so I think that's why he said, stab him in the side and go tell pilot you stabbed him in the side. Oh, water and blood. I'm sure that's something now too. He's probably just going, what else? Yeah, is, and, where, you know, what is and where it talks about that, the water and the blood came out, it says, and the one who witnessed this. That's the Lord. The one who witnessed this take place mm -hmm. testified. And we know his testimony is true for he witnessed it. And it's like, and he knows that what he says is true. It's like, are they talking about that centurion? Anyway. Uh, uh, random question, why is Easter called Easter? Because of the goddess Estra, where we get the word estrogen, and it was a goddess in Rome, and they would uh, honor her with uh, colored eggs and bunnies and chicks, everything that represented new life. It was as pagan as pagan could be. Hey, and once again, kind of hearkening back to a few of the, the uh, unintentional pagan worship is like, once again, they're kind of, they're on the right track, just missing it. You know, it's like, they're, yeah. you're close, life, good and, day. And, yeah, all. and a lot of it came, came about when old Constantine took over Rome and said, okay, made a deal with God. We'll make the whole nation Christian if you let me defeat them. And then God let him defeat them. And so, okay, let's make them Christian. But then he realized, well, that will be a civil war to end all civil wars. And boy, am I oversimplifying. But <laughs> he basically went throughout the land and went, you know what? Let's just keep a lot of the gods and temples and let's just kind of rename them. And we'll say that this is yeah. now a celebration of that. And we'll apply it to Christ. And there's two schools of thought on that, of course. Right. There's the school of thought that says, great. Christ even conquered that and took it. Right, right. Good on him. Yeah. And then there's the one that says, no, you have to look at the origins. We're still actually worshiping her. It's like, and it's yeah, and seeing is undermining. I don't yeah. think you can undermine them. Anyway, you try. that's why we call it Easter. Um, we should call it Resurrection Day. Yeah, let's start that. That sounds catchy. <laughs> Happy Resurrection Day! <laughs> well, yeah, I wish it had more syllables. We're gonna have to contact Hallmark and get cards okay. made and everything. 
Okay. How dark was it at the cross? Could the centurion? Isn't that a good question? Could the centurion see much? And then second, how about the temple when the veil was torn? Was what what was seen? <laughs> Which veil? <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's start with the darkness. Uh, when you look at the prophecies about the darkness, it says you will grope, talking about that day, and they will grope as blind men at noon mm-hmm. because of the darkness that will come on that day. And so I have to assume it was nighttime dark. Blindingly dark. And there's people that talk, there's theories on eclipses that, that don't really fit and they don't last for three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, there's theories on dust storms. I kind of like the dust storm theory. There's also the theory that God did something that no one could explain. And I kind of like that one too, which kind of explains why no one explains it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, and it, everything went dark. Mm-hmm. We don't, that's all we know. Right. It all went dark. We can't say, oh, and there's this huge thundercloud. Oh, the moon went in front of the sun. Oh, the, it's just, and everything went dark for three hours. And how would the centurion have seen him? The centurion, they had, Flashlights of a sort. They had big old, you know, flaming things, torches, and uh, they had to keep it lit up because they were in charge of watching them. They didn't want anybody coming up with a ladder and letting their criminals down. And so part of keeping watch at the cross would have been lighting. It's like, it's getting dark. Light it up. Yeah. But they weren't, it's not like they put on the floodlights. I have a great picture, but it didn't it wasn't suitable for, for today, but it shows a Roman soldier with a flaming torch up close at the cross trying to see Jesus. You yeah. see his legs, and it's dark. And uh, I love that idea right. that something happened for three hours. I, w- I want to know why three hours. I want to know what was going on. But I have to say, it's, it wasn't recorded for a reason. There, I, you know, it, who knows? But that guy saw it. Okay, that's the darkness. The veils real quickly. Uh, there's two veils. You can go to Hebrews. It talks about behind the second veil is the Holy of Holies. It's okay, to, the first veil, and then you go back to, I don't know, is it Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, one of those books talks about the construction of the temple, and there is a veil at the entrance to the sanctuary, and then there is the veil to the Holy of Holies. When you put the Gospels together, even if you don't, you'll notice that Luke says that the veil of the temple uh, tore uh, and spread open. And then Jesus died. Right. Whereas Matthew and Mark say Jesus died, and then the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. And, and of course, the, the naysayers go, contradiction, contradiction, right, right. did it tear before or after? And I remember wrestling with that one, and I finally came to the end of myself and almost jokingly thought, so what, are there two veils? And then immediately went, are there two veils? Why do I think there's one? And so went to scripture and right in Hebrews behind the second veil, then went and found the other, the constraint. I've always just pictured one veil and it tears open and everyone sees in the Holy of Holies, but you couldn't because there's still a veil at the entrance. You wouldn't have been able to see. Tear open the veil at the entrance. Still can't see in the Holy of Holies because there's a veil there. Mm. Once again, scripture proves itself if you let it say what it wants to say. Luke wasn't trying to depict the same veil tearing that Matthew and Mark are. That's why his tears before he dies and there's tears after. Because what really happens is the first veil at the entrance tears open just before Jesus dies. And everyone would, it's, uh, everyone would run to look what's happening because right. you can look. It's not a sin to look into the sanctuary. 
<laughs> so, okay, yeah. everyone's looking. Now, everyone, of course, thought they would immediately die if they saw inside the Holy of Holies. But you can look and see, and they probably thought it was kind of a cool sight. Like, oh, look, you can see the curtain for the Holy of Holies back there. <laughs> we never get to see inside the sanctuary. It would have only been men because it was in the, the court of men, the women's court was outside that in the court of the Gentiles out there. So the Jewish men are probably all saying, what's happening and going on here? And all, you know, just enough time for everyone to be staring in that temple. Jesus breathes his last and the Holy of Holies comes apart and they're all staring at it. And the scream that would have went up because right. this is terrifying. Death, instant death. And I think that scream was heard at the cross because how else would the writer have known to say that he breathed his last and at that very moment, mm -hmm. the veil, the second veil in the temple tore in two. How would they have known? They didn't have cell phones. Yeah, he's just, oh uh, yep, uh, last breath, yep, veil. Right. No, so how'd they know? Because the people watching the veil don't know when Jesus died. The people watching Jesus die don't know exactly when the veil tore. And they very clearly say that at that exact moment, I think he just heard the screams. Yeah. Of terror. Do you think that had uh, influence? Do you think that's part of the story of what drove the centurion to his admission? Yeah, I think it all. I think all of it. Yeah, it's a pretty, there's a lot. I mean, the, going I, on. I had to cut out the scripture where Jesus. Uh, Jesus hinted so much about what he was going to do on that cross that you have one scripture where the people just and the people said to one another, "Is he going to kill himself?" Right. Uh, and it says, because of the things he was saying, the people said to one another, is he going to kill himself? And just, and then he talks all about laying down your life and now no one takes it from him. Yeah. Well, I, which is a, I don't think uh, Jesus uh, giving of his own life at his own, by his own authority, at his own timing. I don't think that's controversial at all. I think, you know, when you apply the suicide word, it kind of, I think you're jumping on a grenade is a wonderful, uh, analogy for it because we don't see that person as in any way, that's not, not a, valuing is his there a, life. Is there a word He's, for that? What? Killing yourself like that. I mean, suicide doesn't seem like the right word. Right. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Sacrifice he sacrifices life. body. Right. And which, you know, we know. But technically, whenever, if you were to sacrifice yourself, yeah, we that don't means, call that suicide. It means for something, right. you know. Suicide can be, like you said, can be personally. Uh, uh, sacrifice uh, uh, self, of life. Self-sacrifice. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, uh, I think that that's totally reasonable. Um, a couple of people kind of saying, I was just fascinated with this sermon. Uh, I never you. really gave, gave real thought to the centurion declaring that, the, that Jesus was the son of God. That was really interesting. Um, agreed. And I really, I was going to kind of echo that and say, I love how you started off and said, I'd like to take stock of the cast of characters around here. Are there any other uh, eyes that you've kind of wanted to preach from? All of that. Yeah. Good stuff. I love, I love that. Uh, and I love the untold stories. I love that there are so many pieces that logic only allows one storyline for that aren't written in there and don't even need to be. Uh, it's like if you said, uh, yeah, there's a big old fire down at the mill and uh, boy, they had three fire departments there. Now, you just told me that fire alarms rang in three different fire departments and firemen came and put on their fire clothes and jumped right. in trucks and drove there. But you didn't say it. Right. But you can't have that piece. Exactly. And so, for instance, something that's not written anywhere is when Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb and it's dark, there's Romans guarding it. Right. But it's not told in that story. 
And it's not until you start weaving those pieces all together and, and building that scene that, wait, they're guarding it. So when Peter and the beloved disciple are running up there, they're running up to the men who are going to kill disciples who come to the tomb. And say, all of a sudden, the story just gets really... Well, somebody actually just asked, was the same centurion in charge at the tomb? I believe so, because when Matthew writes about him, Matthew writes about the earthquake and the bodies coming out after, and he says, after the resurrection right. uh, and the uh, centurion and his men uh, uh, proclaimed again, surely this was the son of God. And so he writes about that after the resurrection, but he tells it during the crucifixion as a flash forward. Right. And so it fools a lot of people into thinking that it happened then. Does he reference that as, because uh, is that in the Matthew account where it sounds like he says, when he saw all these things, he said, yes. is he even, because yes. he when already When he and his men, and when they saw all these things, and the veil in the temple, the veil in the temple tore, so we're right, right there at the cross, and, uh, and then there was a great earthquake, and the tombs came open, and, and some of the dead came to life and went out and proclaimed after his resurrection. Uh, and when the centurion and those guarding him saw all these things right. after the resurrection, they proclaimed, well, surely he was the son of God. Now, there were some women standing away from the cross, and they followed Joseph of Arimathea. Mm. And it's like, why did Matthew put that as a flash forward at, so, so buried in the, the crucifixion scene that a lot of people think that it happened during the crucifixion? Right. Well, I think his reasoning is, because then a chapter later, then he echoes that and goes, now, there was that earthquake at the tomb, and the people of the rocks rolled open, and the soldiers that were guarding him fell down like right. dead men. And they just marry right up. I think the reason he puts it back there is to let you know, and that's, that's me now, but I think the reason he tells it right there while we're focusing on that centurion, because he says, and when the centurion... And we're at the crucifixion. Right. When the centurion has been saw all that, they all said it. Which is so. Just, I think it's the same centurion. That's such a good uh, just little story for why you need to do the weaving and why you do it naturally. Because yeah. when you read that, I re if you just read Matthew, you kind of get that impression. That's what. Oh, this could have happened. He said, "Surely he's the son of God." At the tomb later. That's not even necessarily now. But when you get the other guys going, no, I'll tell you when. I'll tell you exactly when. Then you have to. Start just shifting around. And, how and it then logic. Uh, right. uh, Jesus' death on that cross would have been uh, a powder keg, you know, because you got yeah. so many followers there. And so you got four guys up there guarding him. You don't think those are the four scariest dudes <laughs> you've ever met? I know. I like our new picture. And the guy, oh, thank you. I made that. And it's the old picture, oh, new... you know, the one we use for the cross all the time. Yeah. But I went looking for a centurion and I found one on a video game. Thank you, whoever that was. <laughs> yeah. And I sliced it out and stuck him in there. Anyway. Um, and so the leader of those guys in charge of the cross of Jesus he had to be a monster, a gorilla, yeah. you know, just. And so when they're choosing who they're going to put at the tomb, why are they going to say, well, he was perfect for that. Let's get all uh, wimpy over here. <laughs> it just seems like, well, we already have our team put together. Yeah. So. Um, okay. Outside of this real quick question. Uh, now, we'll that we, now that we can sing, what else can we do? Are there more restrictions that were... I can do this. That were changed. I'll be home next week, had both my shots, and can come home to praise again. See you next Sunday. Oh, was that my dog? <laughs>
<laughs> my shots okay. and I'll see you at home. Right. Um, okay, bye. They want to know that and then no, do we still need to wear masks? And yes. Yes, we still need to wear masks. Things are going to just continue to slowly loosen. I can't up. wait till they let us be three feet apart instead of the six because. Uh, yeah, because it felt good. Like I said, oh, I can't wait to get everybody now, in here. three feet. Yep, yep. Um, do you think the centurion asked or wanted to be at the tomb so he could see what happens? I think. Um, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think he had a choice in it, whether he wanted, volunteered or not, but I do believe there was a very short list of gorillas that could handle that situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, so. I think, I think you can say, based on the character that you just painted from scripture that I am seeing there now, I would imagine like I said, like when he goes, they're like, go ahead, poke him. Let's see what happens next. I'm sure he just kind of wants to go, let's just, I'm going to keep an eye out for whatever's <laughs> going on with this guy. You taking him to a tomb? Well, I'll be there whether well, or not I'm posted. I might just. And when you like, watch those two, two robes of Jesus and he's got Herod's bejeweled robe that they put back on him after right. they punish him, which is why they get a guy to carry the cross. I'm convinced because no one says Jesus struggled to carry it. It's just they immediately got a guy, conscripted a guy, and then they took that old robe and cut it into four pieces, what would have had jewels and gold and everything else in it. I think that is a motive for every Roman soldier to want to be on that detail because we get to divide the stuff, and yeah. he's got some incredibly valuable stuff on him. I also think that's their motive for beating him at Pontius Pilate because he's wearing the robe of a king. Uh, so that's another reason I think these are the baddest dudes possible because, man, if there's a badder dude that wants that post, yeah, yeah, it's something might fight. accidentally happen to this guy. So. <laughs> oh, I like it. Okay, let's wind it down. Okay, yeah, I think that's, that's good. That's a good place to stop. I love it. Uh, before we go, do you, where are we going from here? You got any uh, I don't know. Every time I, I did this at Christmas, too, where I go, man, I'd love to write a follow-up sermon to this guy. There's so much good information. But I also feel like we need to move on. So Yeah, I mean, the trees are gone after all. The it's a whole new world. <laughs> it's a whole new world. Okay. Well, well, then, I guess, you know, come back next week and discover I've with us where we're going. I've got a couple ideas. Uh, Bruin. And I'm not sure. Bruin. Good. Good. Well, well, like I said, we'll do it again next week. So come be a part of it. Tell us which direction to go. And okay. until then, love you guys. Love you all. Thank you. Have a great Easter. We'll see you next Sunday.